I'm going to keep improving and, and find a way to get those young guys confident and get them the ball. But if we can run the ball like we did today, it alleviates a lot of the stress that we could feel had we not had Tony Edwards. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. laid out for you i start my day every day i wake up and i normally throw on a sports talk show a lot of the times it's evo over the line morning show across a lot of our network stations based in madison and i I start listening to the stories of the day try to get ideas for the show and then maybe at some point i'll switch to a podcast maybe when i'm drinking my coffee in the morning maybe i'll uh pull up the athletic or the ringer or just scroll twitter what stories do we got going on today and sometimes on a day where it doesn't seem like there's a lot going on. And uh, we already talked about Aaron Rodgers enough this week. What should we talk about at tonight's show? Boom. A story will appear. A headline will appear. There'll be breaking news that's just perfect for the show. Great. Oh, God threw me a bone today. You know, that's just luck. I don't mean to act jealous here. I, I don't I don't mean to. I don't I don't mean to act jealous. I'm a little jealous of Kenny and Heilbrand. Uh, Zach Heilprin and Ben Kenny, the show that's on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights. Tonight, they're live out on the town at Monks and Sun Prairie. They're talking Badger sports. I'm a little bit jealous of their show because they've just had it made in the shade this week. On Tuesday, but an hour or two before they go on air, we learn that Micah Potter has signed a deal with the Utah Jazz. Oh, what an incredible story. Former Badger. You do a whole show on that. <laughs> Not really, but you, you, know, you get the get the joke. Today, an hour ago, just mere hours from the, the start of Kenny and Heilprin, they're handed another incredible story. Jeff Goodman reporting that Boborowski is going to retire, among some other Big Ten officiating, shuffling, and, and changes. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Kenny and Heilprin, they're on twice a week, and they've gotten this, this golden goose of a story both days. Meanwhile, I'm trying to scrounge up another Aaron Rodgers soundbite. I'm trying to... <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how I can convince myself that the Brewers are going to win. Zach and Ben, they're just being handed these incredible stories. It's like, oh, you have a show tonight? Here you go. Talk about Bobrovsky retiring. Oh, what a great day. Envious of our Badger show, Kenny and Heilprin, that's coming up in a few hours. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you've had a great day. Uh, heads up, just because I know it takes me a little time. Uh, tonight is Thursday Night Football, and remember, it is on Amazon Prime. So if you are like me, you're a little technically challenged, uh, give yourself some extra time. You know, growing up uh, in Wisconsin, you know, a big part of morning radio, especially in the winter, is what are the road conditions like? You're getting ready to go to work or I'd listen before school, you know, school cancellations, whatever road conditions. And I'd always hear these these radio DJs. And I grew up in Eau Claire. So, you know, names like Mike McKay and Donuts. B95, B95, Jay Moore. I grew up listening to country radio. And the tagline that everyone would always say, you know, roads are a little slippery. Give yourself some extra time, right? You've heard that a million times about morning radio growing up with the weather that we have in the winter, right? Give yourself some extra time. Tonight, if you're technically challenged and you can't remember the login to Amazon Prime that your mom may or may not have given you, uh, give yourself some extra time tonight. Uh, then again, the game probably won't be that great. It's Steelers-Browns, so... Maybe it's not even worth watching. We're not going to talk about Steelers-Browns tonight. 
We're talk a little Packers with Perry Goldstein, great friend of the show. Her podcast, Packs What She Said with Maggie Loney, just went national. They got picked up by Odyssey. They're a big deal now. I basically have to put in a media request and uh, and and you know work out this process, but not really. I just send her a text. But she is very busy. She will be here at four thirty. We're going to talk about the first two games the Packers have played: a loss to the Vikings and went over the Bears on Sunday, and then just a couple of early season observations. I just want to bounce off her. That's coming up in about a half hour. 608-796-2558. You can call and text me on that number. And you can tweet me at Wisco Grant. Folks, I got to do this. I have to start with this story. This is the biggest story in sports, I believe, at the moment. And it's also the craziest story in sports. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this before. It's an NBA story. But, hey, 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 hey. In a weird roundabout way, this story connects back to the Packers. So just give me a minute or two. And trust me, if you're not a basketball fan, I'll make it worth your while. And if you're not a basketball fan, this story is still bizarre. And if you follow me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant, you would have seen me tweeting about this last night because I was was enthralled. 9.35 p.m. last night, whoosh bomb out of nowhere. Boston Celtics coach Ime Udoka is facing possible disciplinary action, including a significant suspension for an unspecified violation of organizational guidelines. Discussions are ongoing within the Celtics on a final determination. Holy balls. Could you leave it more open-ended? What did he do? Did he kill a guy? Did he did he embezzle money from the Celtics? Did he what, what was he doing? How could he Woj? You're gonna give us something. So I'm sitting. Refreshing Twitter. I got tweet notifications turned on for all these guys, especially Woj. So I, I saw it right away. Then 10.33 p.m., not even an hour later, tweets, eBay Udoka's job isn't believed to be in jeopardy, but a suspension is looming, and a final determination on that length could come as soon as Thursday. Sources tell ESPN, oh, boy. 11.02 p.m., he tweets out a link to an ESPN.com story that has nothing in it. How many clicks do you suppose that story got? <laughs> what a God, they know how to work it, don't they? So many clicks on that story because we're clicking and thinking, oh, is the, the detail in here? Do we know what he did? Oh, okay, not yet, nothing. 11.50 p.m. last night, Sham Sharania out scoops Woj, beats him to the punch, tweets the, the breaking news, out of nowhere, Randy Orton type of scenario. Shams tweeted, Celtics coach Ime Udoka had a pro- improper, intimate, and consensual relationship with a female member of the team staff. Sources tell The Athletic and Stadium, it's been deemed a violation of the franchise's code of conduct. Whoa! So he didn't commit a crime. He didn't do anything against the law. It's just a team policy. All right. So you had a consensual relationship. We're we're all adults here. It happens occasionally. It's not ideal when it happens at work. But, you know, we managed to work around it. But the Celtics said, oh, no. And today it was announced they're going to suspend him for an entire season. What? It's not just me, right? Has this ever happened in professional sports? Have you guys ever seen this before? It's not a league suspension. It's not a criminal investigation. It's just the team saying, we're not letting you coach this year. Just wild. Just nuts. And the weirdest part of this story, and this is where I want to tie it into the Packers, the weirdest and wildest part of the story and and the part that I'm struggling and grappling with is I see folks comparing the story to the Deshaun Watson situation which isn't really the same. Okay, the Watson situation stinks. No one is happy about it. Okay, the NFL handed down a suspension. Not the Cleveland Browns, but the NFL, Roger Goodell, and the league. 
and no one's happy about it. No one in the world, other than maybe some wild Browns fans, are thinking, no, Deshaun Watson, he's a good guy. You know, got a raw into the deal here. Just sit out his 11 games, he'll come back. You know, no one's, no one's happy about it. It's a crummy situation. We know Watson's kind of a sleazeball, but he comes back after 11 games. So for everyone on Twitter who's comparing the Deshaun Watson thing to the Ime Udoka thing, look, folks, it's not like the Udoka comps have people going, oh, wow, you're right. Watson, when you think about it, Watson really isn't a good guy. Yeah, we, we know. Okay, so there's nothing earth shattering about the Deshaun Watson scenario. The interesting part is folks are comparing this to Favre, right? Another athlete or former athlete who's in hot water. And I know Udoka's now a coach, but he was a, an athlete back in his day, right? Played in the NBA. So folks are comparing the Adoka situation in Boston to what's going on with Brett Favre in Mississippi. RG3 tweeted this today. And I'm going to yell the part that's in caps locks. If you were more upset about Ime Udoka and the Celtics situation than Brett Favre, stealing millions in welfare money from the poorest people in our country in Mississippi, then you are part of the problem. Look, what Brett Favre did stinks. We haven't really talked about it on the show, so this is my way of kind of mentioning that today. No one, I don't think anyone's more upset about the Ime Udoka and the Celtics thing than Brett Favre. Brett Favre, and we haven't really talked about this on the show we don't really need to get into it for more than a minute or two here. Favre could very well go to actual jail for breaking actual laws. Ime Udoka is being suspended by his team, by his employer. Not even the league. No, no, no. His direct employer in Boston is deciding to do this. These are not the same. So for everyone, and I hate to use the, the term virtue signaling because it's kind of a ridiculous term, but that's, that's kind of what's going on here. People are like, well, you know, people aren't upset about Favre, but they're mad about Ime Udoka. No one's upset at Ime Udoka, and a lot of people are upset at Favre. So let's not get this twisted. Brett Favre might go to actual jail. I don't know if you saw it today. I saw the tweet first from AJ Perez, who is at USA Today. Was it Fox? Was it CBS? Now he's at Front Office Sports. And I'm sure he's not the one to break this story, but I saw the tweet through him. The former head of Mississippi's welfare agency entered into a plea agreement with federal and state prosecutors a huge turn in the scandal that could spell major trouble for Hall of Fame quarterback Brett Favre. Brett Favre could very well go to jail or be convicted and be handed some real punishment of some type. I don't know if it ends up being community service or, or whatever. Brett Favre committed a crime and could and maybe should go to actual jail. This Ime Udoka thing is, is not, it's not the same. So stop comparing it. It's apples and oranges. He didn't break any laws. His employer is deciding to suspend him. I also, as always in scenarios like this, the insiders come across as such grease balls. Okay, so you're going to break this story and now leave everyone to wonder who the staffer is, who he had a relationship with. So now anyone who works in the Boston Celtics organization that's a woman is now being questioned and we're looking into this. Like, this is just such a, such a wild story. But it's not Favre and it's not Deshaun Watson, so... Let's not compare them. This story is unbelievable. I can't believe there's got to be more to it. There has to be more to it. So we'll see. We're only about a month away from the start of the NBA season. And this is the coach who took a team to the NBA finals in his first year last year. It's just wild. I want to talk about the Packers and the Bucks game coming up on Sunday. As our, our friend and patron saint, Colin Cowherd would say. All right, let's shift to this. Let's shift to this. And I talked about this with Bill Michaels on his huddle last night. Had a good time on Bill's show last night. I thought we made some good points. The Packers' defense should look awesome in Tampa Bay on Sunday. 
Not they should take a step in the right direction. Not they should show promise. The Packers' defense should look awesome on Sunday. They should look elite. They should look big, fast, and strong. They should hit hard. It should look physically mismatched on the line of scrimmage and on the back end. I think the Packers should hold the Buccaneers to under 17 points on Sunday. If the Buccaneers score more than 17 points on Sunday, I will be disappointed in the defense. I know that's an unbelievable number in the modern NFL in 2022, but I believe it. The Packers' defense should hold Tampa Bay and Tom Brady to 17 points or less on Sunday. Think about it. They have an advantage in every position across the field. Up front, they're going against backup offensive linemen and backups to backups on the offensive line. Rashawn Gary's healthy, Kenny Clark's healthy, Jerron Reed, Preston Smith, who's having a great start to the year. There's some studs up front. Now, it's not the defensive line of perhaps New Orleans or Dallas, although I don't know if it's because they're better or worse. I think it's different. Micah Parsons is that man. And the Packers don't have a Micah Parsons. I don't know that anyone in the league has a Micah Parsons. I don't even know if TJ Watt is a Micah Parsons. But body for body, pound for pound across the line, the Packers, I think, have just about as good of a defensive front as anybody in the league, maybe save for Buffalo, one or two other teams. I know the Saints are pretty good, but I don't think the Saints have the elite edge rusher like Rashawn Gary, right? So now we're we're comparing different components to different position groups. My point, the Packers' defensive line is nasty, and the Bucks' offensive line is a bunch of backups. And Tom Brady's 45. It's not like Justin Fields, who can run away from you behind a bad offensive line, or Trey Lance, or Josh Allen, who can deal with the pressure and stay standing long enough to deliver passes. No, 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 no. There's a 45-year-old statue quarterback behind an offensive line that can't block anything. That Packers defensive front better eat on Sunday. Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker. They should send Quay Walker on some blitzes on Sunday. Send all of these guys in different moments, in different situations. Throw a million different looks at Brady. Greg Olson on Sunday's game between the Saints and the Buccaneers would say, you got to take away his first read, right? You got to take away his first read, and you got to do so without blitzing. The Packers are more than equipped to do those two things just with their base defensive personnel. And we're talking about the defensive front. What about the secondary? The Packers are going to be going up against Scotty Miller, Prashad Perriman. Jalen Darden is the only Buccaneers wide receiver that's not on the injury report. Now, I think some of them will play, but Mike Evans isn't going to play. He's suspended. Chris Godwin, I'd be shocked if he plays. He was coming back from an ACL in week one, immediately hurts his hamstring. They're going to be really cautious with him, and they should. They're going to win the AFC South and make the playoffs. They don't need to rush any of their guys back. But as for this Sunday, the Packers secondary should be able to dominate Tampa Bay's wide receivers. They should be able to dominate up front. You tell me. Unless Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense melts down, throws pick sixes, hands the ball away a couple of times, how does Tampa get any offense in this game? I don't see a way that they do. The Packers defense should look elite on Sunday. We should be pointing at our TV and thinking, that's what we talked about in training camp. That's what we've been envisioning. There it is. This weekend is a beautiful opportunity for the Packers defense to show up. Now, the Packers offense is going to have to just cobble some stuff together, but I think they can cobble better than Tampa Bay can cobble. It's going to feel like a Big Ten game. There's not going to be a lot of offense in this game on Sunday. If the current if the current data and the current information on these two teams tells us anything and it bears out the way we think it will, 
which doesn't always happen in the NFL. It's why it's notoriously difficult to bet, and sports are unpredictable. But looking at the X's and O's and looking at the injury reports and looking at the rosters, this should feel like a Big Ten game on Sunday. And I think the Packers' offense is more capable of playing and succeeding in a game like that. They're more capable than Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. So I want to talk about that more coming up. Perry Goldstein, Packs What She Said podcast, will join us in a couple of minutes as well. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, Perry Goldstein, Packs What She Said podcast, longtime friend of show. She's coming up in about 10 minutes. We're going to talk Packers. A couple of texts here 608 796 2558. Started the show by talking a little bit about this Ime Udoka story. <laughs> Rock and Rick said, one of our punters did the Humpty Dumpty with one of Holmgren's daughters and was on another team the next year. Uh, yeah, a little bit different when it's the coach, though. It's a fascinating scenario, and it's not going to end well for a lot of the people involved, unfortunately. Pete and Chippewa says, Joe Barry will sit back in zone and let Brady have time to throw. Don't underestimate his ability to create the worst game plan ever. I don't... Pete, I don't see how that happens. First of all, something I'm realizing, reading tweets and text, I believe in Joe Barry way more than it seems like the general public does. Also, what do you mean Joe Barry will have to sit back and zone? They won't even have to blitz to get to Brady in this game. Use rush four. Rush Jerron Reed, Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, and you're gonna hammer Brady for four straight quarters. I don't you can't you can't sit back anymore. Unless you do a three-man rush every play, which would be unprecedented. They're going to get to Brady, Pete. Now, playing man, zone, whatever. I think if the Packers play zone on Sunday and they just execute, they'll still hammer Tampa. I don't know if it matters if they play man or zone as long as they execute. Todd says, you know what's going to happen now, don't you? Now that you're making the point about their own line, they will stop the Packers. Well, I mean, I suppose. Would you want me to just not say anything? We you just sit here in silence, meditate for the rest of tonight and tomorrow? I'd hate to jinx anything. Mike is in. Mike is in Windsor, 608-796-2558. What's up, Mike? Yeah, that's what you should say. You should say nothing. So what should we, how, how do we feel tonight and how do we feel tomorrow? If I if I can avoid jinxing, I will do it. What should we talk about instead? Or what should we, should we just sit here in silence? Uh, what happened to, uh, what happened to the maybe, you know, preemptive NBA lounge. I saw that tweet. Well, we did talk a little bit about the NBA at the beginning. I, I didn't fire. I didn't the hear music. the I didn't hear the music. No music though, Grant. I, I, I didn't have I wanted I wanted to get my cocktail. I was ready. Like okay. I was well, what if we do the the Mike in Windsor lounge here? I, let me let me <laughs> here I got this. I'll just play this while we're chatting. This'll make us sound more sophisticated. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Uh no I hey they're gonna I think they're actually gonna play zone. They're gonna play zone and they're gonna drop back um into that Probably a cover two, cover three, and they're going to have to rush four. They play a four-three defense, so um, that's what they're going to do. They're not going to need to. I mean, let's talk about their receiving core. We can just sit in silence, right? Because they don't yeah. really have one. This <laughs> yeah, it'll be a perfect segment for tonight's show. They don't have one. And even the guys that they are going to have, assuming Scotty Miller and Perriman play, they're on the injury report as, as questionable as well. Like, none of the – Jalen Darden his, is the only healthy one. And they're going to make as many mistakes as Dobbs and Watson. So, yeah. it, I mean, it, as long as he has Watkins and Alan Lazard, 
I think Aaron's in a good enough seat to throw good passes. And I really think, you know, you can talk about their uh, the Bucks D-line all you want. They've been playing fantastic this year, especially against the run. But I think we have a two-man running back attack, and I think uh, I think we're going to have a good day with that. I think we'll have over, you know, 100 yards, 120 yards rushing. I really do. I think if the Packers sit back in zone and, and play too high, I think that'll work too. I, I think the Packers can pick any scheme, pick any, pick a card, any card, as long as you execute. Because, Mike, if they go too high and force Tom Brady to take little five- or six-yard completions, play after play to Scotty Miller, Brashad Perriman, Jalen Darden, that's going to work Format. too because they might complete yeah. a couple of passes here and there, but it's only a matter of time until one of those plays goes poorly because you can't be sure-handed every single play for a 10-play drive with those guys the way that you can with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So even if they play zone, they'll be fine, right? Absolutely. And their and their four-man front's going to get pressure on him all day. So I'm not I'm not so much worried about the pressure they're going to put on the quarterback because I think Tom's going to be eating grass all day, and that's just yeah. what I think. Also, one more thing while we're talking about wide receivers, I was listening to a little bit of the okay. NFL or the PFF NFL show or whatever it is. It's with um, Steve Palazzolo, who I know has been on Bill's show, and Sam Monson, who's mm-hmm. been on this show. These are guys maybe maybe some or all of you know. And they were talking about how neither the Bucs or the Packers have any good wide receivers. And I said, well, wait a minute. The Bucs don't have their healthy good wide receivers. The Packers don't have great wide receivers, but this has been their group. This is the group that was in camp. Aaron Rodgers knows these guys. Tom Brady did not expect to be playing in week three with the guys that he has. Aaron Rodgers expects to be playing with these guys. This has been the plan. So the Packers and, well, and, and the Bucks, neither team has great receivers, but the Packers are at least playing with the guys they expected to play with. And Tom's working on two days of practice with Cole Beasley. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> expect him to have a monster day either. So, um, I don't know. I think, uh, I think Tom is, finally kind of coming into you know being 45 i think it is what it is so not that i don't think he's elite i think he's a wonderful quarterback but um i think he's gonna have a heyday with the packers defensive line so i hope so i hope so yeah. it's just about the packers i think offense can you get to 20 points i think if the packers and aaron Rodgers can get to 20 points i think they win I think it's about I think it's about getting that O line engaged with the run game as well i think i really think it's getting that run game engaged um, and maybe open up, opening up some play action. I think that's a huge key against uh, Ohio State too. So, but that's another conversation. <laughs> we can talk about that tomorrow. Do you see Bo Borowski's retiring? By the way, worth mentioning. Uh, no. <laughs> about, about darn time. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't need to pay him any mind. The uh, the Badgers' arch nemesis, Big Ten referee, finally no yeah. more. I know Zach Heilprin's going to be thrilled. They better lead with that on Kenny and Heilprin today. Which is coming up? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I just, I don't have anything to say about it. I mean, I don't know. I, not that I, not that I like the guy, but yeah. uh, I think referees are just referees. Sometimes you get good ones, and sometimes you get bad ones. And it's fair and reasonable. More fair and reasonable than you normally get from me on this show. Thanks, Mike. I'm gonna let you go. Have a good night. See you, man. Have a good one. You as well. That is our friend Mike in Windsor. Very fair and reasonable. Not taking the bait on Boborowski. What a mature call. From Mike and Windsor. You wanted a little bit of the music. I mean, I I didn't fire up the NBA Lounge music. I Here's why. I started the show with an NBA topic. I also brought it to Favre and into the Packers. I feel like that was a, a decent transition. I can talk a little basketball on September 22nd, but I, I got to disguise it. You know, like putting the pill in the pudding cup to get the dog to eat it. You know, I, I'm, I'm being a little too flamboyant and in your face with the NBA talk if I fire up the music. 
with the Ime Udoka story. So I had a little bit more muted. So no NBA Lounge tonight. Soon, though, soon, before too long, we'll be back to NBA Lounge season. Let's take a break. Chat with our friend Perry Goldstein, Packs What She Said podcast. Good friend of show, longtime contributor. She joins us next on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Kenny and Heilprin coming up in about a half hour. They're live at Monks in Sun Prairie tonight. Brewers are going to be taking over as well at 5.05. So this show is going to conclude. If you are feeling a little, little short change, you need some more Wisco Sports Show content, well, search Wisco Sports Show wherever you get your podcasts. And last night's pod has a bonus 20 minutes that was not aired on the radio. Uh, it is David Gasper and myself, unfiltered, just blasting the Brewers for 20 minutes. So if by my show ending at 5.05 tonight, your evening feels incomplete, first of all, I am sorry. Second of all, got you covered. Go check out the podcast. There's a little extra content. And I would also check out, if you missed it, that interview with Danny Heifetz on yesterday's show. Joined us from The Ringer. Danny's one of the best. Very, very thrilled to have him on last night. And it was good stuff. So you can find that in the pod. Perry Goldstein, Packs What She Said podcast, has been joining the show for a couple of years now. We talked about week one, week two, and a couple of my uh, observations, let's call them, that I've had through the first two weeks. But I don't really know what to do with the observations. So Perry helps me out a little bit. Here's my conversation with her from earlier today. Perry Goldstein, Packs What She Said podcast with Maggie Loney, which is now an Odyssey podcast. Congrats. It's very big time, Perry. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Happy to be back. It's been a long time since I was on the Wisco Sports Show. I know. I can't remember. What would we have talked about the last time you were on? Were we reacting to a playoff loss? Uh, the draft? The draft. We probably talked about the draft. Yeah. Well, I still love all of them, and they're all still going to be superstars. So the, those takes did not change from, from earlier this summer. But now we have two weeks under our belt. We have week one, lost to the Vikings, and then Sunday night they beat the Bears. I want your thoughts on these games. I can summarize my thoughts and my takes on these two games in like 10 seconds. Week one, yeah. it, like, it looks like the Packers players really aren't too concerned about it. So I'm not going to be too concerned about it, and I'm not going to overdo week one. And then week two, you play the Bears on Sunday Night Football. It's like, that's a freebie. Like, the Arrested Development line. Like, oh, that was a freebie. That's a freebie. So that's the first two weeks for me. And we could talk about, you know, little details from either game, but that's kind of my overarching take. What do you think of the first two games? I feel like I don't know anything about this team yet. Because <laughs> yeah. week one is preseason game four. And then week two is the Bears. And the Bears is such a hard one. And I think if anyone out there listens to Andy Herman, you should. But he said it the best, which is like they're – Playing the Bears is like kind of a lose-lose situation for the Packers because if you beat them by a lot, okay, it's the Bears. Doesn't really if matter. They hang around and you're just like, come on, it's the Bears. And then if you lose to the Bears, it's like panic mode, right? There's no good outcome when you play the Bears. So we haven't really learned much about this team. I will say I think the offensive game plan that we saw against the Bears is likely what we're going to be seeing going forward, just like very like lean on the run game heavy. But yeah. I think we knew that going into the season. So this game against the Bucks is going to be like, this is like week one for me. It's very similar to last year, right? Like week one was a throwaway and then week two against the Lions on Monday Night Football. And it started kind of clunky and we're like, oh my God, are we really a bad team? Like there is that 10 minute period in week two where like maybe week one wasn't a complete and total <laughs> aberration. Maybe we do suck. And then, oh yeah. Uh, now we're beating up on the Lions and Jared Goff or in 2022's case, you know, obviously the Bears the other night. That's a good point. And I do like Andy Herman, uh, also a friend of the show. I got to get Andy back. 
I just, I got to get Packers guests. I, I've been in baseball mode all summer, which, by the way, Brewers and Mets, tip of the cap to your Mets for getting the best of my Brewers for two of them. Thanks. Thanks to the Brewers for uh, helping the Mets clinch their first playoff berth since 2016. You know, the Mets have only made the playoffs 10 times in their entire franchise. So, I do not take any of this for granted. I'm a very happy Mets fan right it's now. It's very interesting. The, the dynamic is fascinating because we lo- we don't loathe you. We just loathe the big market teams in general. So like the Braves and the Mets and the like the Mets actually haven't been this uber successful like vaunted franchise. <laughs> no, um, but not yet, at all. But yet we think of it that way because the Brewers are so much smaller and they're just about as uh, they've had about as, as least amount of success as you could possibly have. So, but congrats to your Mets and Daniel Vogelback. I will cheer for him uh, against the Cardinals or the Dodgers or the Braves or whichever team because they've all beaten the Brewers at one point in time. So that that will happen in the playoffs. But um, yeah, congrats to your Mets. You mentioned the defense in Tampa Bay on Sunday. The Packers' defense, am I nuts for saying they should hold Tampa Bay to, like, under 17 points on Sunday? I, I, don't, I don't think that's asking too much. Like, what, how's Tampa Bay supposed to move the ball? Their offensive line is in shambles. The Packers should eat up front, and they have no wide receivers left, and the Packers' secondary is very good. Yeah, they have they have no one to throw the ball to, which is this is that's like a little bit of a gimme for this Packers defense, right? Like we know no Mike Evans and then pretty much all the rest of their starting wide receivers are questionable. So like Russell Gage, Julio Jones, Chris Godwin not practicing, like very questionable. So yeah, I mean I almost wish that like both teams were full strength though, because Be if the Packers win on Sunday, everyone's going to downplay it and be like, well, Brady had no weapons. And it's like, you know what? This is football. People get hurt. Sorry. Like I'm not going to yeah. like sit here and complain and downplay any wins a win. Like it's hard to win in this league. It's my new yeah. favorite thing to say. It's yeah. hard to win in I, this league. I do think that this game though, is going to come down to both defenses. Like I see this being a very low scoring game. It's going to be very in the trenches, if you will. It's going to be really like hard yards. That's what I'm envisioning this game to be really tough yards. It's going to be like an AJ Dillon game where he's getting three yards and then trying to like drag the defender another three yards with him to gain more yardage. It's just, it's not unless the Packers, I said this, when I recorded Pax, what she said, and now I've seen the injury report or the practicing for the Packers today. Yeah, it's Thursday. And they also don't have any of their wide receivers practicing today. Literally no one is practicing. Romeo Dobbs, I think, is the highest on the depth chart practicing today. So I don't know what this game is going to be, but it's going to be low scoring and it's going to be defense. So to answer your question, yes, I would expect it to be somewhere around the 17 mark for this Packers defense. So a Big Ten game is what we're in store for on Sunday which is kind of exciting. That feels familiar to me. Like, there, there, there's two types of, like, this is the best way I can explain, I think, the way this game will feel, and this is how most Big Ten games feel. You can have a game where your team is leading by six points, and it can feel super secure. Like, in the Big Ten, when everything's slow and you pump the ball away up by six points, you can feel, we have 60 yards of cushion. There's no way this team is marching down and taking the lead. But then there's other games, and I don't think this weekend will feel this way, where you're up by six and you kick the ball to the other team, and you're like, man, 60 yards like that, and all of a sudden the other team is in the lead, right? Same situation, but can feel very different. I feel like this game on Sunday is going to be a slog. However, I think the Packers are in a better spot. I think the Packers should win this game. I I will be really frustrated and bummed if they don't win this game. I would definitely be frustrated if they didn't win, but at the same time, it's Tom Brady, and I just can't count Tom Brady out. I can't. The Packers, I think, are like 2-8, and 
down at this Tampa Bay field. I mean, it's just a, been a really hard place for them to win football games. What is it about Florida? What is it? I don't it? know. It's not and even California. So it's warm. <laughs> it's warm. Um, I don't know what it is, but I also think there's there is a Tom Brady effect. I, like, I thought they were going to lose against the Saints for sure. He was having a tantrum on the sidelines. Then all of a sudden they win by two scores. And it's just, it's Tom Brady. And he can he can pick you apart. He can read any D. De- Him and Aaron Rodgers both have this like level of football IQ that I don't think anyone else in the league has anymore. Mm-hmm. And Brady's going to be able to see whatever Joe Barry wants to throw at him and be able to pick it apart. Now, he doesn't seem to have anyone to throw to. So I don't know. So if pass rush can get home to him and coverage can stand, I think they can win. But at the same time, you just can't count his brain out. I agree. This is the math in my head. Tom Brady is how old is he? 45? Is he 45? Even it's gotten to the point where it doesn't even matter. He's just old and he's at an unprecedented age, 45, 46, whatever. He cannot run and he's not mobile. He's playing behind an offensive line that cannot protect him against defensive fronts. I don't I think the Packers are a better defensive front than Dallas. I don't know about New Orleans so much. I think Micah Parsons is tippy top, but Rashawn Gary's not far behind, and Kenny Clark is in the middle. I, I don't, I don't see how it works up front for Tampa, and I don't yeah. see how any of these guys get open. If you give Tom Brady one thing, if you just give him good protection with even mediocre wide receivers, he can make it work. Or if you give him elite wide receivers with poor protection, he can he can make it work. I don't see the thing that Tom Brady has on Sunday that the Packers can't take away. I just, I don't know. Well, especially if his left tackle doesn't play, because apparently his left tackle is banged up. And then if they're going to like third string left tackle, then it's like kind of game over. And you're right. You're not like the way the Packers are game playing for Justin Fields, right, is is, yeah, you want to get to him, but you also need to contain him because Justin Fields can take off with his legs. Like Tom Brady's not doing that. So you need to just basically collapse the pocket on him, which the Packers have all the weapons to do that. And it looks like this Bucs offensive line now is – the lesser, you know, of the two in that matchup for sure. But also, you know, Tom had like one of the best QBRs in the league last year when pressured. So it's not about pressure. It's about literally getting to him. I I feel a little bit better because when he's pressured and flustered, he doesn't have Mike. Mike Evans is unbelievable. Like we don't talk enough about how just solid and steady Mike Evans has been for the longest time. He just doesn't have those guys. I, I just, I don't see Tom Brady having the pieces on Sunday. And I think the Packers have this golden opportunity. And if they can't get a win, I'm going to be I'm going to be really bummed. It might not end up mattering because for the last couple of years, you know, they've lost to San Francisco or Tampa Bay. Like they lose these big regular season games and then still have opportunities in the playoffs. But I'll be bummed if they can't get it done on Sunday. We're talking with Perry Goldstein, friend from the Packs, what she said podcast, which is now an Odyssey podcast. They've gone big time on us. Her and Maggie Loney both. I have a little game that I want to play a game, whatever. I have this little mini segment I want to do. So during Packer games, I'll, I'll take notes or I'll write things down. I'm sure you've done this during games before. And there's a lot of things that I write down during games that I don't really know what to do with. So I'm going to read you some of the things that I have written down, and I, I don't really know what they mean. So I want you to tell me what these things mean to you. Like, these are so observations. I'm, I'm interpreting your notes or I'm reacting to your thoughts? Just, just I'm going to tell you something that I wrote down, and then I just, just tell me what you think. Like, what does that mean to you? So, or what it means for the Packers defense or what it means for their chances, whatever, take take it anyway. First thing I've written down, and I've written this down the last couple of weeks, Quay Walker is very fast and very strong. (laughs) Yes. What does that mean? Correct. What does that mean to you? Why is that important? 
why is that important? I mean, we saw what Devondre Campbell did last year. Like when you can roam the middle of the defense and completely take away the middle of the field from a quarterback, like you're limiting where they're able to throw the ball. Right. And Devondre hasn't been like up to his all proness in tackling this year, but you know, you're not letting guys slip to the second level when it comes to the running backs. Like you're just, you're stop, you're, you're taking away yardage from people. Now you've got two guys like that. And I think Quay is special. Like I just think Quay athletically is special. You watch that Justin Fields attempt at a touchdown, any other inside linebacker in the history of the Packers, that's a walk-in touchdown. Jake like, Ryan. Justin Fields doesn't even touch. Jake Ryan and probably then, doesn't make that play. You are correct. Right. And then Quay, <laughs> like his sideline to sideline speed is unreal. And I think for me, Quay is in his second game, right? So that we're talking about Aaron Rodgers and, and Tom Brady's football IQ, like being able to diagnose. He doesn't have any of that yeah. yet. And yet he's still making plays. He's still, I think, leading the team in tackles at this point. There was one play against the Bears where if he – he, I think it was a, it was a bad pass by Justin, but it he, it deflected off of Quay's fingertips. I'm like, next time he sees Justin do that, he's not going to bite. That's going to be an interception, right? Yeah. Like, there's just things that he's still getting better. But I'm more and more really, really into this pick by Goo. I know people weren't like super excited about it. It was kind of like a what? But yeah, changes the middle of the field. I also think this pick this year makes sense for the team that they have. If they would have selected Quay Walker three years ago, I don't know if it makes sense. The thing is Quay Walker doesn't have to have great instincts because he's got right. great defensive backs behind him who are assignment sound and a pass rush in front of him and a defensive line, they're assignment sound. So he can kind of just run around. He can just kind of run around. Which he's been doing a little bit, right? He, yeah. he, it is, you're right. It's giving him a little bit of like the growing pains while he's still able to make plays. I'm waiting for Joe Barry to send him on a blitz because, like, that boy can run. I I think they're going to, like, mix him in as a pass rusher because the Cowboys realize with Micah Parsons, like, oh, he's our best athlete. Let's just let him go a little bit. Um, and I think the I Packers had this debate with – I keep bringing up Andy. I had this debate with Andy Herman. I'm like, do you think Quay can be, like, the next Micah Parsons? And he was like, well, first of all, I think Micah's one of one. So, like, let's yeah. put, a, put a note in there. But in terms of role, role. yeah. Yeah, totally. We're on yeah. the same page with that. I'm got one of my takes right before the season. I I thought like Quay Walker, like maybe third in sacks, maybe like by behind Rashawn Gary, behind Kenny Clark. I don't see why he can't be up there rotating with Preston Smith and, and some of these. I other mean, guys. Preston's having himself a nice start to the I'm season. I'm so happy for him. I'm just he was sometimes the forgotten guy or the lesser of the two Smiths, and I'm happy for him. He just especially after a, a kind of a, a struggling second year in Green Bay. Okay, something else I wrote down. The team seems to play better when Rasul Douglas is yelling is something I wrote down. <laughs> what, what does that mean? If that Yelling? Means or just being loud, just like being that guy out there, trash talking, yelling, yeah. like just being that guy. Yeah, apparently Sewell is a trash talker. I uh, I don't know if I would have pegged him as such, although that whole defensive back room, I guess, has that vibe. Um, look, I think this team, for better or for worse, really rides on energy and like momentum and it's a really really young team especially that defense so you need someone who's going to be mouthy i was thinking about this after this week like who the leaders are on defense mm -hmm. and they have a lot of quiet leaders they have a lot of preston smiths they have a lot of adrian amos Kenny like Clark. guys who aren't like very external facing leadership like zadarius smith was the was the one to the media to the fans right nobody else is like that 
Um, but Sewell is loud. Like you said, he, he's going to like be that kind of external facing, like get, get everybody riled up. And I think this team just like, for whatever reason needs that, because you saw week one, like that energy was low and they had nobody who's going to get everyone together and Mm -hmm. say, Hey guys, this ain't us. Like we can turn this around. Well, and then against the bears, they gave up that drive. They fall behind. And then that first three and out that they got, I see Rasul Douglas yelling after two of the negative plays. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that seems significant. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's specifically him yelling or just that energy coming from somewhere. So I, I don't know. Rasul Douglas seems to play an important role. The last thing I wrote down, Aaron, this is something I talked about with your friend and your, uh, your fellow Richmond spider yesterday, Danny Heifetz. Aaron Jones might start and end the season as the Packers' best weapon. What, yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, 100%. I think it means that we totally undervalue him. Okay. I, I don't think it says anything about the rest of the weapons. I think it's that Aaron Jones has been one of the best backs in the league, mm-hmm. has been taking care of himself to the point where he's what in now year six and is not declining. Like Great incredibly point. impressive for a running back. He's a complete back, which we saw run, pass block, and has good hands. Like he just is their best weapon. And I think we just forget about him. Last thing, and this is what I asked Danny Heifetz yesterday. Do you think an offense that's led by Aaron Jones, if that's their best player, do you think an offense like that has a ceiling? If your best pass catching weapon is a running back? Has a ceiling. I think the example I keep going back to is the Alex Smith Chiefs. When they went that absurd length of time without throwing touchdowns to wide receivers, it's like, hey, that offense is good, but are yeah, they, they next level? Yeah, and like they that? lost in the first round of the playoffs. Um, you know, I think that the Packers' pass catchers are just like a lot of big question marks right now. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I can answer that question because we saw some good things out of Sammy Watkins. We kind of know what Lazard and Cobb are at this yeah. point. And I, I think I actually. Again, if we're thinking about like undervaluing players, I think totally devalued Alan Lazard after week one. Um, and we don't know what the rookies are. I think there's a lot of potential. Like the the ceiling is there. The Packers are at like 60%. If you're looking at like a scale to 100 of like full potential, Packers are operating right now at like 60, right? There's like this whole chunk where we don't really know what they could be. Could they get to 100 at some point this season with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs? Yeah, I think so. But I just don't know if we know. And I think when your best player is a guy like Aaron Jones, who opens up the entire offense for you, I think you actually have a higher ceiling because you have defenses who need to pay attention to the run game. And then that opens up the pass game for Aaron Rodgers and all the all the wide receivers. I like that answer. And it's only through two weeks. Like, we're not supposed to know all these things right now. Yeah, totally. But I, I do think that this team has so much potential, which makes me excited because if they keep winning this regular season, hopefully they get there at the right time. But yeah. we've been yeah. saying that for years, so... We're due. We're due. Perry <laughs> We're doing Wilson. it again. I know. It's the more I, the more times I go through the cycle on the show, and the show's been on since 2018. I just realize, oh, this is the week where I talk myself into this happening in a month, and then we'll do that. We do certainly go through this every year, but that's why we love sports, right? And one of these years, hopefully, it happens. Perry Goldstein, Packs What She Said podcast. I appreciate you. Thanks for the time. Always happy to be on. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, 
We thank Perry Goldstein for her time. Check out her podcast. This is Maggie Loney. Packs what she said podcast. It's excellent. And we appreciate when she can join the show here and there throughout the season. I had a tweet here from our friend Justin. He just said, update on wide receivers, please. Uh, I don't know if that means injury-wise. I don't know exactly what you need an update on. Everyone's hurt. <laughs> Let's just start there. All the wide receivers for both Green Bay and Tampa Bay are hurt, basically except Jalen Dart. So they're banged up. Everyone's banged up. Any football player will tell you that. Everybody's going through something. Um, I think Perry made a, a pretty good point about the Packers wide receivers. We pretty much know what Alan Lazard is. We pretty much know what Randall Cobb is. I think we're approaching the point where we might know what Sammy Watkins is, maybe. We got a good feel. He can run the correct route, be where he needs Rodgers to be. Him and Rodgers seem like they're buddies. They seem to get along, which is good. I think what will be fun to follow throughout the rest of the season is the progress, obviously, of Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and how they maybe add things to their plate as the season goes along. I do think, remember after the Vikings game in week one, Rodgers was asked if him and Matt LaFleur maybe were, were trying to take it slow and take it easy on these young guys and not overwhelm them all at once. I think as the season goes along, week by week by week, we might see, whoa, oh, that's a that's a new play. They haven't done that with Watson yet. They added that one in. Or we haven't seen Romeo Dobbs line up there or do that or run that route. I think we're going to see things sprinkled in kind of as the season goes along. Travis and Holman, our Packers homer, simply texts in, the Packers will win Sunday. Travis, they should. I know Tampa's favored by a point, and... The home field is, is certainly a big deal, and Rodgers has never played good in Tampa. Rodgers is you know, not great if he has to go on the road and play in a hostile environment. And, and you know, some Packers fans, well, it's only Tampa and Florida and California. Well, those are, those are two pretty – there's a lot of teams in those states. You know what I mean? Well, it's only California and Florida. Well, there's a lot of teams in California and Florida. Um, the Packers need to win on Sunday, and we can talk about that for a couple of minutes on the other side of this break. Then we turn things over to the Brewers Radio Network at 5.05 – more of the Wisco Sports Show coming up in two minutes. Stick around.